You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Coop. We're going into the month of December and the series is called Love Came Down. So all month long, we're going to talk about the love of God. And of course, Christmas is all about God's love for God loved the world that he gave. He loved the world that he gave his son. So what? So we could have everlasting life, and that life doesn't just start when we get to heaven. The life starts now, an abundant life that our Lord talked about. So today we're talking about love being a divine energy, a divine fuel, if you like. And if you have a smartphone or a device like that, you can scan the QR code. You'll get some notes. Other than that, I'll put some scriptures on the screen for you. You had uh, two handouts when you came in, so we thought we're not going to load you down with handouts this morning, but we'll put the verses up on the screen for you. The Christmas story has a lot to say about love coming into people's lives. A lot of the characters in that story were really exercising love. We see a lot of faith in the stories. We saw the faith of Joseph. Joseph gets the news that his girlfriend's pregnant, and it's a real mystery to him. And Joseph, by faith, says, okay, I'm going to accept this. And you talk about love, because the definition of love really is love doesn't seek its own. Love doesn't have its own agenda. And Joseph really had to put aside his agenda for the cause of being engaged to Mary, and then later on marrying her, of course, and accepting the fact that he was going to name this child, not Joseph, but Jesus. So you study the life of Joseph, huge faith, huge love. Matter of fact, wherever there's faith, there's love. You'll never find true faith without love being there, because faith and love go hand in hand. If you look at the life of Mary, Mary gets the news that she's going to bear a child, and she says to the angel, well, let it be to me according to your word. And I'm sure that that was a little bit of a change in plans for her. I'm sure she grew up like every other little girl saying, this is how my marriage is going to look like. This is what my wedding is going to look like. This is what my first baby is going to come. And it was a little bit of an inconvenience, a little bit of interruption in her plans, in her, quote, agenda. But she said, you know what? I'm going to go with that. That's, again, love, not seeking its own, and faith and love are related. The wise men showed incredible Faith, when they left their country, went to another land, gave gifts to the Christ child. Again, it was an expression of love, an expression of faith. The shepherds, likewise, they left their work, left watching the sheep, went to visit the babe in a manger. Again, it was faith. It was not their agenda. They were not self-seeking. They followed that. So there's a lot of love and a lot of faith in the Christmas story. Today we're going to talk about love being a fuel, an energy, if you like, and uh, it's connected to faith. Wherever there's faith, there's love. Faith moves things. Jesus said, by faith, you could say to this mountain, be removed, be moved, and it would move. In the spiritual realm, faith moves things. But to move something, you have to have some fuel, right? You have to have energy for something to move. If I'm going to want my car to move, I've got to put some gasoline in the car. The fuel has to be there for something to move. So also in the spiritual realm, for faith to move something, there has to be a fuel. Love is that fuel. Just for the sake of interest, we're going to do a little survey this morning. So if you have your, your phone with you and you'd like to text in on this, this would be great. And so we always encourage you to bring your phone to church and leave it on at Coastal Church. So a little bit different than others. We say, bring your phone, leave it on, just put on vibrate. So 
Here's the question for you this morning. We surveyed the congregation last night, earlier on this morning, and we're going to do the survey with you as well. So the question is simply this. What is your major mode of transportation around Vancouver? And, of course, what you do is the number you dial is 37607, and then you text in if walking is your major primary mode, then you'd put mode one, cycling would be mode two, and so forth, automobile mode three. So just take a moment and just uh, text us and let us know what is your primary mode of transportation? How do you move around the city? And we'll see what the results are compared to last night and this morning. The results were a little bit different from last night to this morning, so I'm curious to see where we come in today at the 11 o'clock service. While they're doing that, let me review a few things from last week. Remember last week we're in Ephesians chapter 1, and there Paul had been praying for the church, and he he prays for them on a couple things. One, he says, I'm praying that your relationship with Jesus gets better and better. How many know that we never arrive in our walk with God? We never get to the place where, like, been there, done that, did Alpha Course, I went on a missions trip, I read the Bible, so I've kind of arrived, and I think I know all there is to know about Jesus. We, we never get there. Paul, even though he did so many great things, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, he's still praying, oh, that I would know him and the power of his resurrection. Paul was really interested in knowing about and operating in the power of God, and he was praying, I pray you keep getting to know him better and better. Then he also prayed that they would have an idea, a better idea. They would know the possessions that we have in Christ. We have incredible benefits when we become a believer. He said there's a new covenant with better promises. And last week, if you're in the service, I shared the story how I had lost my luggage. I bought my ticket on Visa, and I had no idea that my Visa agreement included the opportunity to buy new clothes if we lost the luggage. And uh, when I discovered that, it was like, wow, I didn't know that I possessed that. And a lot of Christians don't know what they have in this relationship with our Lord. So Paul's praying, I pray that your eyes are open to what we have in Christ. And then he also prayed this, I pray that you have an idea of the power that there is in us because of what Christ did for us. Let's go to our results, then we'll go back to the message. The poll is closed. Oh, okay. Here we go. Oh, you guys. Automobile, number one. Number two, public transit. Number three, walking. You're very different than last night. Last night we had, oh, no, not that much different because last night automobile was one. The morning service was walking was number one. So 9.30, walk a lot. You guys drive a lot. Okay. (laughs) But you know what's interesting? Cycling was like at the bottom. For all of these, I'm not sure if Mayor Gregory Robertson is watching this, <laughs> but won't go there. Anyhow, I like cycling in the city, so there we go. Anyhow, that's <laughs> how we move in our city. We move around. But how many know to, to walk, you got to put some fuel in you. To bike, you have to put fuel in you. To Your car needs fuel. The transit system needs fuel. You don't move unless there's fuel. And with our faith, faith moves nothing in our life unless there's fuel. What is a fuel? Love is a fuel for our faith. In Ephesians chapter 1, just reviewing this verse from last week, Paul said this, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us, or usward, who believe, according to the working of his mighty power? 
exceeding greatness. Another translation says unlimited power. How much power, horsepower does your car have? Guys would usually know that. You have a good idea of how much horsepower your car has, but it's limited, right? It's 200, 300, maybe 500 horsepower, but there's a limit to it. How many push-ups can you do? How much power do your arms have? Well, there's a limit to that. But God's saying there is unlimited power toward us, usward. If you look skyward, unlimited amount of power to create the universe. You, you look in the stars, you go to the Hubble website, and you go, wow, what great power to the vastness of the universe. Or you would drill down to the smallest atom and proton, electron, and you just see the incredible greatness of God's power. But here Paul said, the power is not skyward, earthward, it's usward. The power is in us. In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul said in verse 20, now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to what? The power that works where? In us. Where's the power? In us. Where's the power plant? Ours, in us. God's able to do beyond we can ask or think according to the power that's out there somewhere. No, he said the power's in us. Paul was saying here in Ephesians, I am praying. Church in Ephesus, church in Vancouver, coastal church, I'm praying you get this revelation that there is exceeding great power on the inside of you. So if there's this great power on the inside of us, I think the question that we'd ask is, okay, how do I release the power? How does the power go from being within me to changing things around me? That would be an obvious question. If you take a look at superheroes, and by the way, our world today has an incredible appetite for learning about superheroes. And it's not surprising because guess what? God created us created us with an appetite for power. If, there, if that wasn't a God-created desire in us, none of these movies would make it. Comics wouldn't sell. By the way, do you know that Nicholas's Cage, he had a comic book, the first edition of the Superman comic. It was sold on Wednesday online for $2,161,000, a comic book. I haven't picked it up for two cents back in 1930 or whatever. But the fact that it would sell for $2 million today just tells you that people are interested in superheroes. They're interested in, in power. And all these power characters, they, they get their power from somewhere, and it's released by something or another. There was a movie that I started watching on the plane coming back from Ghana. It was The Green Lantern. I couldn't figure it out, so I stopped watching it. I got confused. So I had to go Google it, and apparently he has great power because he's got this ring, and the ring releases this superpower, and, and so he's got the ring. The power's in the ring. And then if you study Spider-Man, you remember that? Spider-Man, Spider-Man. I grew up watching Spider-Man cartoons. Spins the web. Spider-Man, yeah. I can't sing, but anyhow. Spider-Man. Spider-Man got bit by a spider and some radioactive enzyme or something in there, and he's got superpowers because he got bit by this spider. 
Superman comes from a planet called Krypton and where it had lots of gravity, so he's on Earth and now he's got all this power because he was on a different kind of a planet. And also, interestingly, did you know that Superman gets his power from yellow light? If he's under yellow light, he gets power, as long as he's walking in the light. Does that sound familiar? If we walk in the light, as he's in the light. I wonder where they got that idea from. Just a thought. Uh, but there's this hunger for power. Uh, you could list a whole bunch of other superheroes. Captain Canuck. You know there's a Captain Canuck superhero? I, I stumbled across it when I was trying to figure out how these superpowers got. Captain Canuck, he got his superpower from an alien. An alien injected him with superpower, and now he's twice as strong as the average person and can run twice as fast. So he's not quite in the same league as Spider-Man or the Green Lantern, but we do have a Captain Canuck. So there's your trivia for this morning. Why, why am I talking about this? Because... Folks, we have a hunger. There's a hunger in us to experience superpower. And Paul's saying, I'm praying that you know that there is a power within you. You don't need to satisfy that appetite with some cotton candy. There is something very real and very powerful that's within you. So today we're going to talk about how do we release that power? How does it happen? Well, number one, the fuel for that is love. So let's go to a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, where we read in the Amplified Bible. You have to be careful when you read out of the Amplified Bible because everything gets a little louder. So just hang in there, Amplified Bible. Love, God's love in us. How many know there's different types of love, right? For the English, we have one word for love, but the Greeks had different words. Filial, eros, eros being sensual love, filial, brotherly love. And then there was agape, the God kind of love. Well, this is talking about the God kind of love. Love, God's love where? In us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. What is love? Love is not self-seeking. It's not touchy. It's not fretful or resentful. Takes no account of an evil done to it. Pays no attention to a suffered wrong. That's out of 1 Corinthians 13 where we get a great definition of love. If we're going to have our faith empowered or fueled by love, it's good to know what love is. That's a great definition of love. Love is not self-seeking. It does not have its own agenda. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, we read, we know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in him. God is what? God is love. God equals love. And you know from math, you could turn it around. Love equals God. God is love. Love is God. God is love. Of course, that would be fuel for our faith, the love of God. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. Powerful verse. I suppose one of the greatest examples of someone who walked in this kind of love was a man we worked with in Tennessee by the name of Brother Littlefield. And Brother Littlefield really stretched us to walk in love. One day he asked me, he said, Dave, you grew up on a farm. Uh, you likely drove a grain truck. Would you be able to drive this big school bus? It was a really long school bus, had a split axle. And so he said, could you drive it? I said, yeah, I'd love to drive that school bus. He said, okay, I'm going to have you go pick up some special people for church, a special church service on Saturday. And so I was all excited. I got in that bus, and we headed out to the, to the Smoky Mountains, the hills of Tennessee, 
really small, narrow roads. It was kind of challenging turning this big bus on those roads. And, and I picked up these guests, and the first uh, passenger, I was like, oh, that's kind of a surprise. But I realized that all the passengers I was picking up, I had a guide with me, they were all mentally challenged people. And I got kind of uncomfortable. I'm, I hate to admit it, but I, I'd never, never really worked with mentally challenged people. And they were coming on the bus. And I was like, oh, this is, this is different. And one guy got on the bus, and he was about 40 years old, and just smiling and happy and got on the bus. He says, how you doing? All right, all right. And I went, all right. <laughs> I just really didn't know what to do, and he sat down, and you know that guy, every time he'd see me from then on, I could be on the other side of the parking lot, and he'd say, Dave, how you doing? All right, all right, and I got to be a great friend with him. I, I love, who wouldn't love that? How you doing? All right, all right. He was so embracing. I learned to love these people, but what happened was Brother Littlefield was stretching our love for other people, and uh, in conjunction with that, he said, I want you to go visit this home. And he sent us out on this assignment to visit people. And we went to this one house, and uh, we knocked on the door and went in. And uh, it was really dirty. And the dishes were still on the table late in the morning. And uh, the children hadn't gotten dressed yet. The, the bed that they were sleeping on looked like it hadn't ever been changed. Their cockroaches were running all over the food and the plates. And, and we were way out of our comfort zone. And he had sent us there. And I was like, man, what are we doing here? And our assignment was to visit these homes and to pray for them. And we weren't sure why he had sent us here to this particular place. And then after we prayed for everybody, we said, is there anybody else we can pray for? And they said, well, yeah, we have another member of our family. Uh, and they were really hesitant for us to pray for them. And we just said, well, well, we'll pray for whoever's here. And so in a back room, where there's a curtain drawn across it, totally dark. They pulled back the curtain, and we weren't ready for this. Because strapped to a chair was a mentally challenged person, bound there. And we just, oh, it just messed our hearts. And we went there, and we knelt down beside that person, and something happened. Some love of God came flowing out of us. I think Brother Littlefield did it on purpose. He was the only church that I know of that had a special service for mentally challenged people. And we pick them up and we bring them Saturdays and we do a service for them. They had very little support at that time in their community. And so he said, let's do something for those people. He taught us how to love. It, it stretched us. He put us in situations that we were way out of our comfort zone, teaching us how to walk in love. And we watched him. We studied his example. One day, it was close to Christmas, about this time of year, and every Christmas, he would rent a big warehouse, and he would fill it full of toys for the kids in the community that didn't have anything. And to 2,500 girls and boys, he'd give every child a new pair of shoes, not used, new pair of shoes, a new coat, and a toy, 2,500 kids. And so we're about this far away from Christmas, and we're driving in his K car. He always had me drive, and, and Cheryl was there, and he was there. And we're driving along. He was telling us about this great Christmas program that he does every year. And so I said to Brother Littlefield, I said, so how are you doing this year? He said, oh, it's going great. I said, well, 
how many are there? 2,500. I said, well, how far are you along? Like, how much, how many, how many are you prepared for? He said, wow, well, you know, we're about 100. So I'm doing the math in my mind. Okay, 100, that means 100 minus 25, 2,400. 2,400 times, let's say, $100 for each child. I'm doing the math. I go, wow, you got a long ways to go is what I'm thinking, right? You only got a couple of weeks. Where are you going to come up with the rest? And so I turned to Brother Littlefield. He's sitting in the back seat. I said, Brother Littlefield, um, you only got a couple of weeks. Uh, what happens if you don't get enough for all the kids that are coming? Like, you only got 100 and there's like 2,500? Like, what are you going to do if you don't have enough? And I'll never forget his response. Because it was like I, I slapped him or something. He was stunned. He goes, Jesus fail Brother Littlefield. Huh. If it ever happens, I'll write a book about it. He, he could not even believe that God wouldn't come through. And so we went home for Christmas. I came back. And you know what my first question was to Brother Littlefield? Me, man of great faith and power for the hour, you know, more like Doubting Thomas. And I went to him. I said, so, uh, Brother Littlefield, uh, how'd you make out at Christmas time? It, oh, it was fantastic. We had all the children, and we gave them all their toys, and, and he's explaining. I said, well, did you have enough? He goes, of course. We have some left over for next year. We watched his faith, and it just seemed to work so easy. It wasn't a struggle. It was just like faith just worked for him. Things just moved because the fuel that he had in his gas tank. Faith moves things. Your car moves you. The sky train moves you. Faith moves things in the spiritual realm if it has the fuel. The fuel is love. All right. That's point number one. <laughs> Where does it come from? Romans chapter 5, verse 5 says, The love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who, has, who was given to us. The love of God, that love we talked about, that fuel has been poured into what? What's the gas tank? Your heart. You go to the gas station and you pour gas into your gas tank, right? It gets poured in there. Here, this verse says, the love of God has been poured into our hearts by who? By the Holy Spirit. He pours love into your heart. I'm going to preach myself happy this morning because there is something about God's love being poured into our hearts. You know what Jesus said? He said, abide in me just like a branch abides in the vine and you'll bear fruit. Abide in my word. In other words, it's kind of like saying, Coastal Church, every day gas up. Every day, let me pour my love into your heart. Does love get used up in your life? We kind of burn it, right? You burn fuel in your car. You're burning fuel when you're walking. You, you, you got to refuel, right? You know we daily have to refuel with God's love? And you've got to get it from somewhere. You can't get it from Costco. You can't get it from the Shell gas station. You can't get it from London Drugs. You can't get it from the Bay. You've got to get it from the source. The only source for this is God. And if we don't take time... Ever tried to rush it at the gas station to, 
to fill up your car with gas. I mean, it, it, it just takes time to fuel up, correct? You've got to stop, turn off the car, can't talk on the cell phone. There's a certain amount of, you just got to slow down to fill up the car, right? You, you can't, okay, I'm going to quickly do this. Don't, it just, you have to, okay, stop, fill up my car. In our spiritual lives, we need to stop and refuel. Abide in the vine. Stop, refuel, stop, refuel. Why? Because our faith needs that fuel to live in victory for the power to be released. Okay, next thing. Where is the power generated? It's generated in our hearts. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. Again, out of the Amplified Bible. For if we are in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. Now, before I go any further, it just seems kind of weird that we're talking about circumcision in the midst of all this. So let's just kind of clarify what's going on here. The reason he's talking about circumcision, it was the early church, and most of the Christians at that point were Jewish background, and they had been circumcised. And so now others were coming to Christ who weren't circumcised, and so there was this discussion saying, hey, you're not circumcised, so faith won't work for you. I'm circumcised, so it works for me. And Paul's saying, wait a minute, it's not about being circumcised, it's about the heart. Only faith activated and energized and expressed and working through love. King James says faith works through love. That's the works is the Greek word for energy. Your faith is energized, activated, empowered by love. I read an example that made a lot of sense to me, and it went like this. Right now we have guitars plugged in, lights are plugged in, and there's power flowing to them. But if we traced it back, if we could trace back the power that's in these lights or in uh, running this, these instruments, if we traced it back, we'd find ourselves at a BC hydro dam, right? The power is generated at this hydro dam. What's making the power at the hydro dam? We have a bunch of water that's dammed up. We open up a gate. The water runs through the gate and it hits the blades of a turbine. The turbines spin faster and faster and faster. Power is generated, and we bring it down a grid, and then we plug in our little light socket, and bingo, we have power released, and we've got light. What's the comparison? That water, that stand-up, that's the love. The turbine is your faith. Love flows through the blades of that turbine faith. Power is generated and it's released. If I have the biggest, fanciest, most complex, if you like, turbine, but no water runs through it, how many know it's just a rusting turbine? But the minute water runs through it, energy is released. That's an analogy with our faith. We can have all the faith in the world. We can have faith to move mountains. I could do all these things, Paul says, but if there's no love running through it, there's no power released. Faith works by love. That generator works by water flowing through it. Remember what Jesus said, out of your heart shall flow what? Rivers of living water. Water flowing through your heart. Ever, ever find that water can just get about anywhere? You can have a, one little crack in your pipe and water will find a way through it. You can have one little place in your basement and water will find its way through it. And pretty soon there's a puddle and pretty soon there's a river. You know, the love of God 
is like water. It'll find its way to the hardest heart, and it can get there. Incredibly powerful. Never fails. This, this microphone has a battery in it. If the microphone stopped working, and I asked the sound man to come and to check the mic, what's the first thing that the sound man would check? He'd say, let me check the battery. The first thing we check, if you go to start your car and it goes, what's the first thing you check? You say, oh, do I have any gas, right? Does the, does the microphone have a battery? Does the car have gas? Because the car works by gasoline. This works by a battery. And faith works by love. So, now this may hurt just a little bit. But if your faith is not working, what's the first thing you should check? Am I walking in love? Am I self-seeking? Is it all about me? Am I resentful? Am I unforgiving? Am I proud? Do I keep an account of suffered wrong? Ah, yeah, you, you did that. I, I still have a ledge of all the things you did to me. My mom did this, and my mom did that, and my mom did this, and I, I've got it all listed. But God, why are you answering my prayers? Because you've got a great turbine, you've got great faith, you've got no water running through it. Faith works by love. I think a lot of times people are frustrated. Oh, where's God? How come he's not answering prayers? This person, they seem to pray, and their prayers get answered. I told you it's a little bit painful, but sometimes you just got to say, God, check my heart. Am I walking in love? This is between you and the Lord. You say, Lord, I want to walk in love. We go back to 1 Corinthians 13. We say, this is how I need to live for the power to be released in my life. What's so quiet in here? Mr. and Mrs. Amen have now left. <laughs> okay, lastly, what releases this power? What causes it to be activated or, or released? Remember last Sunday we talked about a Hot Wheels track, and if I had a little car on top of a Hot Wheel track, it's sitting there, that's potential energy. Every believer has potential energy. You have this potential power in you. But if I touch that hot wheel, it'll roll down the track, and it goes from potential to kinetic energy. When Peter was on his way to prayer, there was a man who stopped him, and he was begging for alms. He got legs instead, but he was begging for alms. That's a bad story. I know, I shouldn't have. He was begging for, he was begging for money. And, uh, and <laughs> that's an old Bible school joke, Dad. I should have left that out. Anyhow. He was, he, was, he was begging, and, and Peter said, I don't have gold and silver, but what I do have, I've got something. I have something. What did he have? He had potential power, but the minute he reached out in love, he didn't say, oh, you know what, dude? I would really like to stop and help you, but I am on my way to prayer, and no, can't do that. But no, he said, this is not self-seeking. He operated in love. Power was released, and the man was raised up. So what releases, what activates the power we have in us is when we take ourselves off our hands and we share God's love, our faith with other people. That's what activates the love and the power in our hearts. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will what? Receive power and will tell people about me everywhere. So the power is released when we share our faith with other people. 
This Christmas, folks, we have one of the greatest opportunities, the greatest seasons, if you like, where we can give away what we have on the inside of us. It might be a simple saying to your neighbor, why don't you come over to my place this Christmas for a meal? You know that 60% of our constituents downtown, they, they live by themselves. And they may just be waiting for them to, maybe for you to invite them to the, to the Christmas banquet. And yeah, you say, but, but wait a minute. I, I don't know if I feel comfortable with that because I've, I kind of got two friends already, and I don't know if I'd want somebody else sitting at my table that I don't know that well. That would be the Holy Spirit saying, no, walk in love. But you know what? That would be an extra $50 out of my pocket, and, and I'm, no, that's love. Love seeks not its own. I'd like to experience the power of God flowing through my life, but I'm not so comfortable with that. No, the love of God flows through our lives when we love. For God so what? Loved that he what? Gave. There's action to it. And when that action is mixed with love, if you act and not in love, there's no power. But if you act in love, Wow, God's power flows through you. It is the highlight of our Christian life when we see God at work through us as human vessels. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org.